Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. That is Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It reads, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in the like manner as you saw him go into heaven. This morning we're going to take a break from our study of heaven to introduce our theme for the upcoming year. As you can tell, we just can't wait to get out of 2020. But it's actually our intent to do this annually now. We had intended to have a Sunday that would be called Refine Sunday. And every year on Refine Sunday, we were going to have a, 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 a potluck meal after the morning service and an early service after that. And then in the, the midst of all the time we spent together, we were going to reveal our theme for the upcoming year. But due to circumstances, we couldn't implement that plan yet. And so today, we're simply going to utilize this time to introduce you to our 2021 theme. And I, when I first moved here, kept asking one single question. Why do we have a theme? It really baffled me because nobody knew the answer at first. And I had to spend some time in conversation with different people asking, what's the objective of the theme? Is it just to dictate what sermons I preach? Is it to uh, guide some sort of ministerial objective? What is the purpose of a theme? Well, the purpose of a theme is to assist in guiding our focus, our vision, and our plan of work. It reminds us of the direction we're headed and helps us to stay on course. So I often compare a theme to a compass, such as I have pictured on the screen right now. A compass is an instrument we utilize to determine which direction we are headed. And it reminds us when we need to make adjustments to our course. That, to me, is the purpose of a theme. Now, in 2020, our theme was vision. It was our goal in this year to focus on those things that really matter. We appeal to Paul's statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 18 as the basis of that theme. Paul said, or Paul instructed us, to not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are are eternal. It really was a great theme for this year. You know, we thought that this theme would be uh, accomplished primarily through our educational means, whether it was sermons up here, Bible classes we offered, 
summer series, things like that. Little did we know that the circumstances of 2020 were going to help us move in the direction of that theme. And so you may recall throughout this year, uh, setting aside all the complications and, and, and challenges we faced in society and in this world, just think about the sermons we've engaged in in 2020. We began the year with a series entitled Blindfolds, and we spent several weeks looking at mindsets and experiences and ideologies that inhibit our ability to focus on what really matters. From there, we engaged in a series of lessons called Living on Purpose, and the objective of that series was to discover God's purpose for our lives so that we might orient our lives around that purpose. After that, we examined the book of Philippians in a series called Finding Joy in the Journey, and the whole purpose of that series was for us to see how joy can be found in the midst of some of our life experiences that we would assume are joyless. We then had our summer series, and it was themed hindsight. It consisted of a study of the minor prophets that was designed to show us God's vision for his people then and for us today. Just a couple of months ago, we engaged in a series called Colorblind, which was a study of what the Bible says about racial equality, unity, and responsibility. We conducted that study because events that unfolded in 2020 brought to light the need for us to focus on those issues. And as I alluded to earlier, we are currently engaged in a series called Foresight. It's designed to set our sights on heaven so that we will live for it today. I have to admit, despite the difficulty this year has presented, I have thoroughly enjoyed this theme. I think it is very important that we adjust our sights from time to time to ensure that we are focused on the things that really matter. And hopefully, we helped you do that in your life in the midst of this year. But we have to be careful with such an emphasis. We have to be careful because we can spend so much time focused on what we are looking at that we forget to move. Turn with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 1 and look at this event that unfolds in the first, well, 11 verses or so. Focus in with me on verses 9 through 11 in particular. This is what happened immediately after Jesus' ascension. We're told in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, that when Jesus had said these things, as they, a reference to his disciples, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven... Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. 
Now, do you realize what just happened here? After the disciples witnessed Jesus' ascension, they stood there gazing at heaven. And all of a sudden, a couple of messengers appeared and challenged them to get to work. Now, right before Jesus' ascension, he gave these very disciples an assignment. If you look back at verse 8, the second half of verse 8, sorry about that. He said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Before Jesus ascended, he gave an assignment. And then after he was gone, his disciples just stood there and stared. The disciples in that brief moment were so busy staring at the sky that they failed to get moving on their mission. And we're not unlike those original disciples. We're quite capable of standing still instead of striking out. And while we have spent this year emphasizing our focus, we think it is necessary that in the coming year, we emphasize our activity. And so our theme for 2021 will be go and do. Because we don't want to be found guilty of standing and staring when we should be going and doing. But where do we need to be going? And what do we need to be doing? Those are the two essential questions I want to address today as we unveil our thematic emphasis for 2021. What do we need to be doing? Let's start with that one. Look again at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. What did Jesus say his disciples would be? He said, you will be my witnesses. Now, what is a witness? In the simplest of terms, a witness is someone who testifies on behalf of another in order to prove the veracity of a particular claim. A witness's testimony could prove the veracity of the prosecution's accusation of guilt, or it could support the defendant's claim of innocence. But how does this identity of a witness apply to us. I want you to consider what Jesus told his disciples after he washed their feet on the night of his arrest. You can find it in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. You may even be familiar with it because it is a mainstay verse of much of my preaching. Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In his last opportunity to teach his disciples, Jesus indicated that the way we love others will serve as irrefutable evidence of our relationship to him. 
See, when it came time to select the defining attribute of a disciple, Jesus didn't choose truth. Jesus didn't choose service per se. Jesus didn't choose humility. Jesus didn't choose hope. And Jesus didn't choose faith. Even though all of those traits are worthwhile and necessary, he chose love as the defining attribute of a Christian. So if we want to testify to Jesus as his witnesses, we have to start with love. And here's the thing about love. Love is more than a feeling. It's an action. In other words, authentic love is manifested in real activity. John said it this way in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18. He said, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And we see this in the parable of the Good Samaritan. The parable of the Good Samaritan is in Luke chapter 10. It's between verses 25 and 37. And you know this parable well. It's a parable that we learn as children. It's a parable that gets referenced a whole lot in sermons. There's this guy traveling between Jericho and Jerusalem. And while traveling, he is mugged, essentially, by a band of robbers. They beat him up so severely that he is in a ditch dying on the side of the road. Eventually, three men are going to pass by and observe this dying, injured man on the side of the road. The first two are religious leaders of the day, and they choose not to help. The third guy is an unlikely hero in the story because of his ethnicity. He's a Samaritan, and the injured man is supposedly a Jew. And this Samaritan decides to stop and help the man. He triages him. He transports him to the closest town. And then he pays for his medical care. When we get to the end of that story, when Jesus concludes that parable, which he's telling to a, a, a legal expert of the day, because of a question about who is our neighbor, Jesus posed this question. He said, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And the correct response was the one who showed him mercy. The Samaritan. The one who did something about his condition. Now notice what Jesus said next. This is in Luke chapter 10 and verse 37. He said, you go and feel likewise, right? That's what he said. You go and feel likewise. No, no, no. He said, you go and think likewise, right? You go and think like, no, you go and pray likewise, right? No, he said, you go and do likewise. That was the assignment. Go and do like 
this Samaritan had just done when he demonstrated love to someone he didn't even know. So here's the point. We need, as witnesses to Jesus Christ, as those testifying to his reign in our life, we need to be demonstrating love to whomever we come in contact with. The good Samaritan showed love to whomever, whenever, and he is commended by Jesus in this parable. In order for us to be Christ's witnesses, we have to do the same. So in 2021, we want to emphasize the objective of doing because as James says in James chapter 4 and verse 17, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Go and do. But there is a second component to this theme. And where do we need to be going? Return with me to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, and I want you to notice again the task that Jesus laid out for his disciples. He says we're to be witnesses. That's what we're to do, and that requires us to demonstrate love to whomever, whenever. But now consider the go part. Where did he say they would be going? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus' words indicate a missional agenda that progressed outward from the disciples' home base of Jerusalem through the Roman province of Judea and through the culturally diverse region known as Samaria all the way to the rest of the known world. And here's what I think we need to take away from that piece of information about these four areas. First, it tells us that every disciple is summoned by Jesus. The Great Commission was given to all disciples, not just to a select, highly trained few. Every disciple has the responsibility to participate in and contribute to Christ's mission to the end of the earth. This becomes evident as you explore the evangelistic efforts in the book of Acts. Christ's missional agenda wasn't completed by one individual. It took the collaborative effort of multiple disciples to work their way from Jerusalem through Judea, through Samaria, to the end of the earth. So for example, if you look at Acts chapter 2, the Jerusalem campaign was begun by Peter on the day of Pentecost. Skip a few chapters over to Acts chapter 8, and there arises a persecution, particularly in Jerusalem, against Christians at the hands of a guy named Saul. It forced Christians to leave Jerusalem to travel out into Judea, where they then began the process, unnamed disciples began the process of evangelizing Judea. In Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 4, you find out that one disciple who made his way out of Jerusalem was a guy named Philip. He winds up in Samaria, and guess what? Philip starts the Samaritan campaign. You get over to Acts chapter 13, and that guy who was persecuting the church has now become a Christian and changed his name to Paul. And There's a, there's a church up in the town of Antioch 
who God utilizes to commission Paul along with his buddy Barnabas to start the first international campaign. So Peter initiated the Jerusalem campaign. Unnamed disciples initiated the Judean campaign. Philip initiated the Samaritan campaign. And Paul initiated the international campaign. The point is this. Evangelism is not a one-person act. In order for the gospel to make it to the end of the earth, every disciple with his or her unique set of skills, attributes, and opportunities was needed. That's how it worked in Acts, and guess what? That's how it works today. You're sitting here among this congregation, and we have some great missionaries that we support. James is going to be reporting on one of our, our international efforts today. Susanna Holmes. But not all of us get to go to Susanna Holmes, do we? Not all of us can make that trip. Not all of us can tackle the international aspect of missions. That's why I think the next thing we need to recognize from Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 in this reference to Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and the ends of the earth is the fact that you're not required to go everywhere. You see, we need to go to our Jerusalem. Let me explain what I mean. Jesus laid out this plan This missional agenda with a local component represented by Jerusalem, a domestic component represented by Judea, a cross-cultural component represented by Samaria, and an international component represented by the phrase to the end of the earth. See, Jesus understood that evangelism isn't limited to foreign lands. And all of these components are necessary fixtures of our evangelistic efforts. But all of us can't go to domestic targets. And all of us can't go to cross-cultural targets. And all of us can't go to international targets. But all of us are called to go. The vast majority of us can and must go to local targets. So what we need to realize is that our primary responsibility is to share the good news with our Jerusalem. What is our Jerusalem? It may be the city of Buford. It may be the city of Sugar Hill. It may be the city of Sewanee or Decula or Lawrenceville or Flowery Branch or Cumming. It may be one of a dozen different towns that I haven't even mentioned that fall in Gwinnett County, Hall County, Forsyth County, or even further because we are a dispersed congregation. Our Jerusalem is the territory outside our front door. Because you know what? The towns and counties that surround this facility, 
need to be evangelized to. You see, the area into which we go does not have to be a different community, a different culture, or a different country. The area into which we go may simply be the world outside our house, the world outside our place of work, the world at our school. Wherever there are souls that are lost, there are disciples needed to go. And truth be told, the place that you and I should have the greatest impact ought to be the community in which our congregation exists. And so while we don't intend to neglect or ignore our ongoing evangelistic efforts across this country, across cultural lines, and around the world, we want to truly emphasize our evangelistic efforts right here at home in 2021. There are great things happening in mission fields all around this world, and we want to keep supporting that. We want to continue going and doing there, but we want to give special attention in 2021 to going and doing right here. So the go and do theme, it's intended to help us focus on testifying to Christ through truth and love to the community in which we reside. And we have some specific plans to help us accomplish that. And so what I want to do right now is invite Ben Hogan up to come and tell us about those plans before we draw this lesson to a close. Ben? As Kyle said in Luke chapter 10, we see the story of the Good Samaritan that tells us it's not enough to just be aware of our neighbor's needs and our neighbor's hurts. We have to actually care. We have to actually do something about it. We have to actually act on that knowledge. In this coming year, as Kyle has already let us know and shown us, we are going to have a focus on going and doing. You know, the year 2020 has caused all of us, uh, no matter who you are or where you're from or what you've been through in this year, it's caused all of us to miss out on some of the things that we love the most. For me, I don't know about for you, but for me, one of those things, some of those things are definitely the things that I've missed out on when it comes to church. When it comes to certain events and activities and, and functions that we usually have all throughout the year that we could not have because of the virus. And this isolation and this separation has caused many of us to feel as if we may have lost our footing and lost our purpose in what we are supposed to be doing as Christians. And this year, we really want to fix that. A few months ago, the ministers, all four of us, Jay, Mingu, Kyle, and myself, we went on a retreat to talk about our ministries, to brainstorm, to figure out where we wanted to go in the coming year. And since then, we've had this, and we've been planning this and thinking about this. And since I've been here full-time as the Minister of Evangelism in 2018, I've been trying to figure out what we can do for our community. You see, when we think about community outreach, there are really two umbrellas. On the one side, you have evangelism. This is the teaching. This is the preaching. This is the spreading of the good news. 
So we've had door knockings, we've had Bible classes, we've had Who Is My Neighbor program, we've had other different things in that branch of community outreach. But there's a second branch of community outreach that is known as benevolence. This is when we serve. This is when we care for the needs and the, and the less fortunate. And we serve with our hands and we do, as Kyle talked about this morning. One of the things we discovered on this retreat is that we can do a whole lot better job on that second branch of benevolence and service. So we talked and we talked and we decided this was really the route that we needed to go this year. At the end of the parable in Luke chapter 10, what does he say? He tells the man, go and do likewise. And that is what we're going to be doing as a congregation in 2021, going and doing likewise. And like I wrote in the article this week, when we go, we are becoming his feet by evangelizing and preaching the good news. And when we do, we are becoming His hands by serving and being benevolent. But in order to do this, in order to have this idea and this plan this year, we're going to have to have participation. We're going to have to have volunteers. We're going to have to have people buying in to this theme. The theme that the elders and the shepherds of this congregation have fully bought into. So to do that, we wanted to make it a little bit easier for, make it a little easier for you this morning in front of you. Uh, hopefully, there is a flyer that is going to explain what this year is going to look like for us as a congregation. So please take a look at that flyer for a minute. If you're downstairs, there should be some on your row. Uh, hopefully, afterwards, there will be some in the lobby. And all throughout the next few weeks, we'll be passing these out. And we want to take a minute to look at these. But in front of you, there's this flyer that we're calling the Outreach Menu. We want everyone to be aware of these evangelistic and benevolent things and events we are going to be doing together this year. So please look at this and mark your calendars. Understand, just like with 2020, almost all of these dates are uh, up to change, could change, probably will change. But just flex with us as we try to get through it together. I want you to find where you can get involved. We have six big things that we are introducing this year that we want to have a greater emphasis on. Six benevolent and service-oriented things that we want to do as a, con as a congregation. Also, among that flyer, we have door knockings, Korean events, and other important things we want you to get involved in as well. With that, we want to talk about the six big things really quickly this morning. In January and February, we want to have the emphasis of having an appreciation dinner. Each year, these are all annual things, these big six things are going to be annual things that we do as a congregation. In January and February, we want to have an appreciation dinner. Each year, this is going to target a different group in our community, whether it be healthcare professionals, whether it be teachers, whether it be first responders, or whatever the case might be. We want to invite them to the building, host a meal for them, have an encouraging message to be, to be spoken at that event. And so we want you to be focusing on this in the, in the months of January and February. And if you have any questions, you can contact Brian Strickland and Duke Allen, as they're going to be helping us lead 
that effort. In the months of March and April, we want to have an emphasis of serving with our hands. Doing community service. The BYG has had on-the-go week for the last however long. And every time we go out and we serve with our hands, we do yard work, we do all these different things as the BYG. And someone came up to me and said, Ben, why don't we do this as a full congregation? I said, you know what, that's a great idea. Why don't you lead that, Ben Collins? So Ben Collins is going to be in charge of this event. We as a congregation are going to assist these close contacts of our members and help them with these different items that they have. In the months of May and June, we're going to have another physical service that we're going to provide for the community. We're going to call this one Buford Church of Christ Cares. And George Reese is going to be leading us in some sort of effort, event, or activity with the community. Something to like Habitat for Humanity or something like that as we try to serve physically for our community. In the months of July and August, we're going to be collecting things as a congregation. We're going to be collecting School supplies for our community children that go to school and are underprivileged in our community. There's so many that that falls under. And again, someone come up to me and said, we need to do something for the kids. I said, well, here you go, Kim. That's your job. So Kim's going to be helping us lead that effort this year in July and August, this backpack program. We're very excited for that. And then in the months of September and October, we're also going to be collecting things. This one's going to be a winter weather program that Jessica Allen and Sarah Palmer are going to help us lead as we try to clothe and help those who are less fortunate than us. And then lastly, our emphasis in November and December is we're going to have a holiday meal. Not a Thanksgiving meal, not a Christmas meal, but a holiday meal because it's right in the middle. The best of both worlds. It's just going to be a great feast. And those in charge of that is going to be our sister Wendy Miller and Pat Owens as they help us with that effort to have a holiday meal. And then on the back of the flyer you can see that we have ongoing opportunities for outreach. These are the things that you can get involved in, whether it be benevolence, whether it be evangelism, and we've listed the points of contact for those as well. We want everyone at this congregation to know what they can go and what they can do going forward. And so these are the things going ongoing all throughout the year that we want everyone to be aware of and want to get involved in. And at the back of the page, at the bottom, there's a, there's a box for you to write your goals. For you to say, I want to do this this year. And we hope that you will do that when it comes to what you want to do with your family in the terms of outreach. If any of these excite you, if this is just what you've been looking for, then let us know. Let us know what you want to become a part in. Let the points of contact know how you want to get involved. But above all, we want you to be praying for the elders, for us ministers, church leadership as we try to lead this congregation in the coming year in the going and doing 
likewise. If we become His hands and feet in the year 2021, there is no limit to the things that He will do through us. Kyle? So I heard about an economics professor who gave a unique exam. It was unique because of its structure. Students were allowed to pick which questions they answered. There were a series of really difficult questions that were worth a lot of points. There was a series of, of several challenging questions that were worth you know, a decent amount of points. And then there were a whole lot of easy questions worth very few points each. The students could figure out which path they wanted to take, the really difficult questions that there weren't very many of, the challenging questions that there were a fair amount of, or the easy questions that there were tons of but weren't worth very much. They could choose which route they took on the test. Well, when the tests were graded and given back, every student who chose the really difficult questions got an A. Every student that chose the challenging questions got a B. And every student that chose the, the easy questions got a C, regardless of whether or not they answered questions correctly. And the students were baffled by the, the means of grading, so they approached the, the professor in class and, and asked, why did you grade like that? And the professor said, I wasn't measuring your knowledge, I was measuring your aim. What is your aim, spiritually speaking? Is it your aim to stand and stare, or is it your aim to go and do? We're coming off of an incredibly difficult year. And it's going to be very comfortable for us just to stand still, for us to not move, for us just to decide that the way things are are the way things are going to keep being and we don't want to change. But when those apostles were caught standing and staring, God sent some divine messengers to get them moving. 2020 is a year that we can't wait to get out of. But more importantly for me, 2021 is a year I can't wait to get into because I'm ready to go and do. This morning, we challenge you not to stand and stare anymore, but to get ready to go and do because that's what we've been called to. If you haven't become a child of God yet, we want to invite you today to make that decision. You can have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus if you confess that he is the risen Son of God, if you'll repent of your sins and be immersed in water. It may be today that you are a child of his and you realize that you have been standing and staring instead of going and doing, and you need not only to ask for his forgiveness because you've known what you should be doing and you haven't done it. But you may also need to ask for the help of this family. Whatever your need is this morning, we invite you to come, share that need with us, and let us help you.
Won't you do so while together we stand and sing?